You're listening to The Bev Moore Show, broadcasting on the iHeart Network worldwide. I would like to welcome my guest, Richard Linton. Richard is a professional actor, narrator, and writer. Welcome to the show, Richard. Thank you, Bev. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great, Richard. It's so good to have you. Uh, well, Richard, it's great to see you. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Richard, let's first talk about when you were a United Nations television producer mm-hmm. in former Yugoslavia. I mean, that right there yep. caught my attention. Yeah, it really yep. caught my attention with the war crimes and, and yep. uh you know, the after witnessing and filming the uh, human rights atrocities and abuses abuses yep. in Bosnia, your films are archived at the Imperial War Museum in London. Yes, I mean, correct. Please, please talk to us and tell us about that experience. Well, Beverly, so I was a soldier at that point. I was a United Nations military observer. Um, I was in the British Army. I was a tank commander in the British Household Cavalry, which was Prince Harry's regiment. And I'd finished my five-year service in Germany, Russia, Bosnia. And I was, when I left the Army, the United Nations TV uh, folks had asked me to um, to stay out there and, and as a civilian join the the United Nations television because I spoke Bosnian. Um, so I had already done um, uh, six months in Sarajevo, 1,500 shells a day landing, six months in Parley with the Bosnian Serb leader, Radovan Karadzic, um, who I had Sunday lunch with one time, um, General Mladic, who is also a war criminal. I think he's dead now. Um, but um, then I became a producer as a civilian and what we would do is we would make stories, and it kind of reminds me of what's going on right now in Israel and Ukraine, and it brings it all back, really, um, even though this was quite a long time ago. But so, yeah, so I was a United Nations uh, television producer, and our goal was to simply make films that would bring the two sides together. Um, and, you know, the most notable, probably, experience, and one of the films that, that is actually archived in the Imperial War Museum was when we went to uh, the Serb, uh, uh, the, the, the Cur- Serb-Croatia, it was called. So it was, it was Serbs living in Croatia. And we, you know, we thought we were just going to film this little um, meeting sort of, of, of people, displaced people. And then suddenly in the distance, we saw plumes of smoke on the other side of a valley. And, you know, I had a cameraman with me. Um, I had... Uh, UN human rights officer with me. So we thought, well, we better go and check it out. And we left our meeting and we literally kind of drove up this, it was literally like a river. It was because there were almost no roads, but it was like an old dirt track. And basically we came across this burning village and it was literally, we had passed like 20 um, uh, white vehicles, uh, one or two of them had Croatian police emblems on the side. We, and they were all empty. These vehicles were all empty. So it was kind of strange. But we kept going. We got to this village and literally, you know, beautiful little village in, in, on the edge of a hillside. And every house was on fire. And so I got my cameraman to start filming. And then we, we came across this lady 
and she said she she was wearing a Macintosh and, and it was pouring with rain. Even it was, you know, the houses were on fire, but it was pouring with rain. So the houses had been burning a long time, but even with the rain, I remember this, that, that you know, the houses were still burning. And this poor lady said, you know, they, they killed my husband. They, 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 they slit his throat. They slit his throat. And so I said, well, you know, where, where is he? And she said, he's in his bedroom. So at that split second, I had my sort of journalist hat on and I, I, I thought we've got to get this on camera, whatever it is. So we went upstairs to this, this, this little house, this little bedroom, and there was, a, there was an old man, God bless him, lying on the floor in his pajamas. There was a, a chamber mm. pot just next to him, and mm. he had his throat slit. And I, you know, so I thought, the only thing I can do right now is film this so that, you know, yeah. we can get this out there. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and so, um, and then we went back downstairs, we interviewed her, her friend said, uh, my husband, my husband's been shot. So we went to another house and this, another old man was just lying on the floor with, with a bullet in his head. Um, and so we got all this on camera. We, we, we fled basically to back to the, to our village, um, where we were staying in the UN base. I then got an interview with uh, a local uh, Croatian general who we suspected was the culprit. And um, long story short, you know, obviously he denied everything, but as a good journalist, it's always get good to get the person to deny everything. And oh, yeah. we got, we, we fled the scene. There was where other villages on fire. We, we put the t videotape on a UN helicopter back to Zagreb. Um, and so, and the next day we got back to Zagreb and we got it on CNN, BBC. And then many years later, I think 10 or 15 years later, the war crimes tribunal came all the way to Philadelphia to interview me and asked me if I would go and testify against this one particular general or not testify against him, but tell the story of what happened. Um, so that was UNTV. And that's one of the films there that, that is, um, you know, at the, at the Imperial War Museum, um, and I, I hope I didn't go on too, too long there. <laughs> You're listening to The Bev Moore Show. And we'll be right back after the break. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up.
So I was a, um, a British Army tank commander, Gulf War One. Um, I went to we, you know, we went to Al Jabal, uh, you know, going into, from Saudi Arabia into Kuwait City. Um, luckily, uh, I, I, I always remember going to pick up our tanks, which had been, you know, transported out there, and it was like a tank park in the middle of the desert. And, and the only thing you could see for miles and miles around, apart from the desert, was like camels, you know, on the horizon, walking in the distance. And then we, we, we warmed our tank up by, by going into the desert. And I said, just head for that camel and, and, and come back again. And, you know, it, it was just extraordinary. You know, it was a different, it was another planet. But yes, I served so as a tank commander in Gulf War One, um, And then I was on the Russian, uh, there was, people might remember Boris Yeltsin, Reagan Gorbachev, just, just after Reagan Gorbachev era, um, there was a big food aid program from the European community. So we went to Russia to help uh, bring in humanitarian food aid for Russian because Russian cities were running out of food. Um, and, um, and then I became a UN peacekeeper in Bosnia, in Sarajevo um, first, and then in Pale, which was the Bosnian Serb side. So I, so I lived with the Bosnian Muslims and, you know, under, under shelling and, and sniper fire. And then I went, for another six months to live with, with uh, in Pali, to live near Radovan Karadzic. Unbelievable. And that was pretty much my army career. <laughs> yeah, it's just absolutely amazing. And I have to say, I mean, I, looking over your education and your army career or your, your war background and all of that, but looking at the languages, when I saw, I mean... I mean, we have to mention the many languages you speak. I mean, we're talking yeah. Russian, Russian, German, French, and Bosnian, Serbian, Bosnian. and Croatian. Bosnian. Yeah. So, so Bos. So yeah, in the and, so, and just to yeah. just, just to say, so um, in case people are wondering, so hi, just to mention the one of the books, if, if people are interested in that period. My, the book two in my series, The Deception Series, book two is called Hyde Park Deception. And that's basically about a United Nations military observer who is called on a secret mission to Bosnia um, on a secret assignment that may or may not end up in World War Three. And so those are many of the experiences that I experienced for, experienced for real in Bosnia. And then for the languages, I, I studied French and German at school. There were, you know, there were there were language scholarships in my day as a sort of 16, 18 year old in London, and you could go and study <clears throat> and and live with a with a um, you know German or French family in the, in the summer holidays. 
And then I studied beginner's Russian <clears throat> at uh, Exeter University in England. And, you know, languages were really sort of what inspired me and what led me to all these amazing adventures. And, and, and actually, the, one of the reasons I ended up living here in the United States, but just, just to explain to people who don't know, you know, so, so the Russian, I, I learned Russian. I spent a year in Moscow during the Reagan-Gorbachev period. That was absolutely fascinating that year, 1987, 88. Um, and um, then I, the, the army plucked me from obscurity one of the most exciting days of my life actually they they said we need we need wow. russian speakers so they sent they had one army one royal marine one air force and one navy guy they sent these uh, i was the army guy sent us to london ministry of defense in whitehall okay you're going to russia uh no sorry you're going to learn bosnian for 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 three months then then you're going to go to bosnia um, and you're going to go to Russia. So it was crazy. So they, so not only did they send me to Russia, but they also taught me at the uh, Defense School of Language in Beckenfield. They taught me to speak Serbo-Croat, uh, which is Bosnian. So, you know, Serbian, uh -huh. Croatian, Bosnian. Uh -huh. And that's why I ended up, after the Russian assignment, going to Bosnia to serve as a United Nations uh, liaison officer and as a United Nations military observer. That's incredible. So it was kind of interesting. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just incredible. It's like, it's like they were planning. I mean, not, not planning, but they're like teaching everyone the craft. They're, they're teaching everyone so what? They can, so they can battle, right? So I, did, I, missed, so I missed what you just said. Everyone's the same craft. Do what? I, I missed what you said. They're learning, they're, they're learning like, what? It's like everyone, everyone is like they're teaching the same craft, you know, like teaching the languages. Right. Yes. Yes. But, yes. but really, it turns out to be their weapon in the end. Um, what? 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 what so I, I don't follow. What, what do you? What do you mean? Well, what I'm saying is, you know, they they taught Bosnia, right? They taught that yes. language. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yes. And then you go out yes. and you start working in Bosnia. That's absolutely right, Bev. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know, that language is so important in that respect because, as you say, I mean, literally what happened, so I learned Serbo-Croat, Serbo-Croatian, but when I went to Bosnia, as, you, as you're alluding to, they literally start telling you, no, no, it's this word for library or it's this word for, ha you know, like, so they start to mold and change their language because they want that national identity. And then by the end of the war, right. you literally had Croatian was like almost a different language to Serbian. And then you had Bosnian in the middle. And in Bosnia, there were Serbs and Croats. So that was almost another, you know, language. It's amazing. So, yes, it's just it amazing is. It is how you explain that. Yes, I think yeah. it's absolutely amazing. And now that you put it out that way, because I, have never, I didn't know that. I'm Bev Moore, and we'll be right back after the break. When Subway opened, they changed the fast food game. But sometimes you gotta refresh to be fresh. Welcome to the Eat Fresh Refresh, where there's so much new, some say you can't fit in one ad. I say, we're talking a new All-American Club, deli-style oven roasted turkey, and... Oh, that's the new steak and cheese. Oh yeah, I knew that. That's the one with the new seasoning. And that was the new MVP Parmesan vinaigrette. Right, which makes the next level foot. Hold up, subway's over? Wait, I'm out of time.
Same with the, you know, the Russian, the Russian Ukraine thing. Um, you know, I, as a tank commander, ex tank commander, never thought I would see tanks in Europe again. And it just, just breaks my heart. This, you know, whole Ukraine war. And I went to Odessa as a student. I went one time I was at, I can, I, I was literally robbed on the, the 39 steps. There's a famous movie called the 39 steps. Um, it, it, Buck, a novel written by, I think it's, um, Oh, I forget his name. I think it's Buckman, Robert Buckman. But anyway, it's a famous movie and uh, called The 39 Step, and it's set in Odessa. And I went there, and and I coincidentally I was robbed on these steps in Odessa. Oh my now, gosh. Odessa is Odessa is in Ukraine, right? So in those days, you know, there was no there was no sense of Russians or Ukrainians. That, you know, it was all no. kind of one. And that's what breaks my heart. I mean, I was there. I was robbed. At nice point, which was kind of interesting because they basically said they basically caught the guy. They they sent a detective to Moscow and said, "We want you to come back to Odessa to identify the guy who robbed you at knife point." <laughs> and then, how are you going to do and, that? <laughs> well, so 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 because this is Russia, anything uh-huh. there's a saying in Russian, um, anything's possible, and they used to always say "strana <laughs> chudies." which means Wonderland, as in Alice in Wonderland, because like in Russia, yeah. anything is possible. Um, anyway, oh. so they did actually, they did actually take us back. I went, we were supposed to go back on the, the plane, but they, the, the, the weather was bad. So I literally got on the train with a, 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 a Ukrainian detective and went back to uh, Odessa to do a, an ID parade on this guy. And, um, and then, yeah, anyway, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. It was it was it was an interesting interesting story. All I have to say, all I have to say is this, Richard. <laughs> we need another show. 
Just one show to talk about this. How about that? Just one show. Okay, anytime, anytime. This is too much fun, too much excitement for me, and I know it is for the audience as well. So we need to do another show and just talk about your experiences. Okay. Um, You can can really teach us a lot, I, I promise you. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Um, uh, North Korea Deception is your first novel. Correct. And then book one, and and it's book one in the Deception series. Then you have Hyde Park Deception. And Correct. Leningrad Deception, books two and three in the Deception series. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Now, what I want you to do is just tell us a little bit about that, the books and, and how that all developed. Oh, well, yeah. So, I mean, um, I always wanted to write, and I, I'd read, you know, the Carey, Frederick Forsyth, um, Daniel Silva over the years. Those were sort of some of my inspirations. And when I studied in Russia in 1988, we went on a six-day train journey to the Russian Far East. And... I persuaded our KGB minder to take us out there on the Christmas vacation. Some people wanted to go home for Christmas. I wanted to stay and go on the Trans-Siberian Railway because it was, I just thought it was really exciting and really interesting. And they arranged <laughs> this and they said, we can't go to Vladivostok because it's a closed city. And in those days, um, certain cities were closed to foreigners. So literally because of the milit- military in- installations inside, Zakriti Gorod. So, that we did the next best thing. We went to a place called Khabarovsk. And Khabarovsk is a really interesting place. It's on the Amurg River. And yeah. 50 miles to the, you can, from, from, the, from the river in Khabarovsk, which when we arrived in, in January was, was just deep, deep snow. Like it was a, a frozen snowy tundra. And you could see the Chinese mountains in the distance. And then I knew that North Korea was um, 50 miles to the south. And this beautiful wow. girl met us off the train wearing a mink hat and a mink fur coat. And um, I kind of sort of, you know, we, we, we sort of, we kept in touch, put it that way. Um, we, we kept oh, in touch really? for, for many years. Oh, and she, she, yeah. was a, she was a beautiful girl. Um, and, <laughs> and so I said to myself at the time, if I ever write a novel, this is where it's going uh-huh. to be set. So this, this um, yeah. So so the the novel is uh, is a is an international spy thriller set in London, Moscow, Vladivostok, and Pyongyang, and it, it it is about a British Western journalist who is sent to the Russian Far East, a Khabarovsk, and becomes embroiled in a top secret uh, Western conspiracy to destroy a North Korean nuclear reactor. Um, so oh, that was that was book okay. one in the series. And then we go back, uh, book two is the hero is, is eight years earlier. He's, uh, as I've already mentioned, he's the United Nations Military Observer. Hyde Park Deception is set in London, Paris, Sarajevo, uh-huh. um, and Split. Um, and, I, and obviously I always, like to, I always like to use the places I've been to because it's much easier as a writer to, to, you know, to paint the picture kind of thing. Um, and so that mm-hmm. one, so, so the hero then in book two is, uh, United Nations Military Observer becomes embroiled in a, uh, a, a another Western conspiracy uh, sent to Bosnia on a secret assignment that may or may not end up in World War Three, and then Leningrad Deception, which is Book Three, which I'm kind of most excited and most proud of in a way because 
the first two books took me 10, 10 years to write, but the second, the oh third God. one took me about it, about a year. And I just really loved the process, the actual process of writing it. I'm Bev Moore, and we'll be right back after the break. Jake from State Farm. I really want that personal price plan. So I'll admit it. I'm a bath bomb guy. Dude, you do not need to get that personal. The State Farm personal price plan simply helps you create an affordable price just for you. For real? Who's ready for their jazz bath? No? <laughs> Who is that guy? Jazz bath? Call or click to get a quote today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look at the five and ten It's glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes that glow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store but the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be On your own front door A pair of hop-along boots And a pistol that shoots Is the wish of Barney and Ben Dolls that'll talk and will go for a walk Is the hope of Janice and Jen And Mom and Dad can hardly wait For school to start again It's beginning to look a lot Like Christmas Everywhere you go There's a tree in the Grand Hotel One in the park as well It's the sturdy kind that doesn't mind the snow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Soon the bells will start And the thing that'll make them ring is the carol that you sing right within your heart It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store But the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be On your own front door Sure it's Christmas once 
It's, um, it's set in London, Stockholm, Venice, Leningrad, and the island of Capri. And this one is about um, the same hero, but it's when he's a fledgling young officer in the British Army at Santos. And he's sent to Russia, he's sent to Leningrad, which is now St. Petersburg, of course, uh, on another top secret mission, um, and becomes embroiled in a Vatican-inspired um, plot to assassinate two world leaders. And I love the fact that it ends up in Capri, the island of Capri, because that's my favorite place to go on holiday. And we, we went back this, this summer <laughs> with the book. I sent I, a case of books. And so yeah. what I love about it is that they, they're actually selling it and it's available on the island of Capri in Italy um, at the Hotel Cristiana, which is like a posh, posh hotel. In, in, yeah. Um, and it's in the bookstore in Capri. Richard, do I have to go to Italy to get my book? No, you can get it. You can get it on Amazon, and it's on audio, <laughs> Audible. I, I, I narrated all three uh, all the first two books I narrated myself on Audible. So they're available oh, on good. Amazon and good. Audible. But I, but I do appreciate you. Thanks for asking about the books. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, listen, okay, you've got these great books, and they are they they sound absolutely fascinating. It's like you're talking about an action thriller movie uh that's, so when are the it. movies the documentaries or, or short films or whatever when is that coming out well who knows i mean they, as any writer knows um you know there are literally there are hundreds of thriller writers out there who would love to have their books on on made into a movie um so i'm open to offers let's put it let's put it like that um <laughs> And so, okay. you know, people do okay. say that. So, people do say that when they read the when they read them, they absolutely said this would be a Netflix series. So, so, but you know what? Honestly, Bev, Bev, I'm I'm just so busy like researching and writing, and I know that um, you know it's so tough to to sort of go down that wow. route. So I'm just waiting. I I just prefer to do my art, do my craft, and wait wait for the you know the opportunities to come to me wait for the opportunity to happen. I totally agree. Yeah. So I didn't know if you had something going on with production or anything. Cause you know, so we can, you know, going into the next part of this, um, you know, we need to let the audience know. I mean, yeah. if they don't already that when you're not writing, um, you are a professional actor. Correct. And that starting in 1998, you know, well, I think it was earlier than that. When did you start acting? I think it was early, right? Yeah, it was in 98. I went to, I went to British drama school in 98. So that's how I came to America. I was, I was in England, and um, I, was, I did a, a job as a, I speak as a German, because the languages, going back to languages, languages, if anyone has any doubts about learning language, learn them, because they can lead to all sorts of amazing possibilities. So that was my alarm. Um, and so I came here on an acting job and, and my boss said, I was playing a German at the time in London. And he said, we've got a gig in New Zealand. Would you like to go? And I said, sure. And oh, the week before he rang me and said, sorry, it, the job in New Zealand has been canceled, but would you like to go to Philadelphia instead um, to do this corporate sort of workshop thing where they use actors to play, to role play for senior uh, executives um, 
it was actually, I think it was the insurance company, CGI. But anyway, so, so I said, sure. And the only thing I knew about Philadelphia was, you know, the cream cheese and the Rocky movie. And, and so I came here and um, I met my wife in a bar on Market Street in Philadelphia. And Aww. we were out one night. And she, she I, I was in the bar and I sort of said to the universe, please introduce me to a beautiful American girl for the rest of my stay so I can have some fun. <laughs> I literally and so said that to myself. You? Like and so wait, so wait. So then I, I literally, I swear, like literally like a minute later, my, yeah. my two actor colleagues had disappeared. They'd gone back to the hotel. So I, was, I think I was left with one, one of the other actors. There were only four of us. I looked across the bar and there was this beautiful girl standing there who looked like, who looked like Sarah Jessica Parker. And so no. I went up to her and I said, you look like that girl from Sex and the City. And she looked at me and she had these beautiful blue <laughs> eyes. And she said, she said, that's my favorite show. And, and, and as I always say, the rest, 20, 23, 23 years later, 23 years and two boys later, I'm still here. And I ended up marrying Michelle. Um, who is an interior is designer. Absolutely. That is absolutely yeah. the most beautiful love story I've ever heard. Thank you. It, yeah. It's, I mean, and again, that's all because of the languages and the acting, you know, and, you know, sort of open to possibilities. Uh, but yeah, I've been acting for, the, what's that, 98, so it's almost like 25 years. Uh, oh, yeah, the funny and, thing and about that story, though, is what? I just tell you, so, so literally a year later, a year later, so yeah, not only... Yeah. A year later, she was reading, because I was auditioning in New York a year or, you know, uh -huh. probably about a year later. And so she was literally reading sides as Sarah Jessica Parker in Sex and the City. And I had an audition to, to play an airline pilot or something, you know, um, and I, di I didn't get it. But it was funny that a year later, she was literally reading the role of Sarah Jessica Parker, you know, for, for one of my auditions. And then, of course, she loves Rocky. She loves, you know, the Rocky movies. And I ended up getting uh -huh. a part as the ringside doctor in Creed One with Michael B. Jordan and Sylvester Stallone. So, so oh, that's hilarious. You know, that, so she was kind of more excited about that than me because I didn't really quite understand the the gravitas and the importance of the Rocky movies here in Philadelphia. You know, with the art museum sets, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. So, so yeah. So that was one of the one of a fantastic acting experience I had. I got to spend two or three days with um, Stallone and and Michael B. Jordan with six hundred extras. You know, around the boxing ring. And I and I and I jump in. If anyone's seen Creed One, I jump into the ring at the end and I I cover his eye and I say, you know, how many fingers? How many fingers? And what's interesting, and I only fifty percent of people. That. I think I remember that. Yes. So, so yes. here's the fun thing. So, so what most what fifty percent people notice and fifty percent people don't is that the, the whole point of that scene is that I hold up four fingers, and and his coach taps his the back right. of his neck one two three four, and it's really funny. Whenever I I tell people about that, it's like half people notice that and half people don't. So did you notice, Bev? I'm Bev Moore, and we'll be right back after the break. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar, too. You sample them all, cause the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home. But now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. 
like it's Christmas. Never wanna stop feeling like the first thing on your wish list. Right up at the top, I can deny what I'm feeling inside. Nothing think about the way you need a life. You make every day feel like it's Christmas. Every day that I'm with you. Look at the lights, twinkling bright, 24-7 Every inch of Central Park is covered in white This could be heaven And I don't want this a single thing Don't wanna put into all this shit But as long as you're with me, it's always the time of the year Probably don't remember. Well, I, barely, I barely remember the movie. I barely remember the movie. I understand. So I understand. I'm sure. I'm sure. If I went back to the movie and I was to watch it, I would probably know. I know I will now. So yeah. Yeah. I can't honestly say I remember it because I barely remember That's okay. the movie. That's okay. That's but okay. I do I remember. I do remember <laughs> running on stage. So obviously, it didn't catch my eye. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. So what, what was am, what was amazing? What was amazing about that is that you know feature film production um, is that we literally filmed for like I think it was a day or maybe two days and and I was holding up four fingers. I was saying to Michael B. Jordan, "How many fingers? How many fingers?" And Stallone is right to my to my side because you know he's there in this scene, and and we did it, and then I went home. And, and then suddenly the casting director called me at like nine or 10 o'clock at night and said, Hey, Richard, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, nothing. And she said, we need you to come back. We've got to do it again. And, and what had happened was that the director, um, Ryan Kugler, Kug- Kugler, um, is he'd realized that in the, in the, in the scenario that he wanted to paint in the movie, the doctor 
was lit had to cover the eye because because the boxer's eye one eye is open and one eye is like you know shut because it's so so swollen and and the right. doctor had not covered the eye so it didn't make sense that i'm holding up four fingers because he could have seen you know through through the other eye kind of thing that i was holding up four fingers so so i had to go back and do the whole thing again but this time i had to slam my hand and you'll see it in the movie i had to slam my hand in michael b jordan's face or his eye rather and make sure the eye was covered so that the scene worked as a scene so that was oh kind of fun so i had to go back and do the whole thing again <laughs> but he was super nice that i said was- i said to him you know because he's a he's that a big star yeah I said, yeah. I said, do you mind if I, it's okay if I touch you? <laughs> you know, because I'm like slamming my sweaty hand on his face. I was like, is that okay if I, he said, sure, sure, do, what, do whatever you need to do. So that was, that was a great experience, I have to say. I, 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 I still oh get residual, God. which is even more important. <laughs> that is wonderful. I love that. See, look Thank at the you. experiences. I mean, it's just that role, but look what fun you had out of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, it's, 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 you know, it's life of an artist. Um, it ain't easy. I'll be honest, you know, like luckily my wife's a talented, um, interior designer and, you know, she earns most of the money and the bread as it were. And it's really tough sometimes, especially these last four months, uh, you know, the, the screen actors goes on strike. There's like literally no, uh, virtually no work. And, you know, people have to understand that, you know, for 20 years, I was going up and about down to New York from Philadelphia, so six hour round trip for a two minute audition. Since the pandemic, it's actually transformed my life in a way. And I've had time to write more because I, now what happens is that you literally do these things called self tapes. So I literally have the lighting set up and the camera in my basement. And I literally can go and audition for a New York film or television show in my basement. So that means I can do two or three auditions a day and I can also stay at home and not have to spend the whole day going up to New York and back. Um, but, you know, you, you have to do many, many, many auditions in order to score one job. Um, it's not, you know, it's not, easy, it's not as easy. You know, sometimes people say, oh, how'd you get that? And I'm like, well, I've auditioned, you know, a thousand times over a 20-year period, and that's how I get these roles. I'm Bev Moore, and we'll be right back after the break. It's O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stop in today and check out store-wide savings, plus earn double points on over 225 items. It's our way of saying thank you. If you're not already a member, sign up today during O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month. It's fast, easy, and free. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots 
with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight they know that santa's on his way he's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh and every mother's child is gonna spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly and so i'm offering this simple phrase to kids from one to ninety-two although it's been said many times many ways merry christmas to Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to And welcome back. Well, let's mention, let's mention to the audience, I'm just going to go down the list and just throw some names out because I want them to know, yeah. um, you know, what you've played in. Uh, we've got here, um, let me see some that I recognize. Men Without Shadows. Uh, that, this was back in 2000. I, Inherit the wind. I think that was a play. Uh, uh, Inherit the Wind. Let's see. Bless the Bride. That's a theater. That's a theater. Um, so, uh, so I did... Wilma Theatre, yeah, people would know Tom Stopper, Wilma Theatre in Philadelphia. Um, but the the main credits that people might know is, you know, I, I've played with Jeff Daniels in a movie called The Answer Man. Um, I, Remy okay. Malik in Mr. Robot. Uh, and there's a nice scene if people look at IMDb on my reel. Um, so, you know, I can say I've acted with, a, with an Oscar winner because I, I played this scene as this kind of weird German guy in, a, in an elevator with Remy Malik, uh, Chris North in The Equalizer, uh, obviously Michael B. Jordan Stallone in Creed One. Just did a great movie. It's not even on IMDb yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's called Relative Control, and it's an independent feature that was shot in Philadelphia over the summer with the SAG uh, interim agreement, so it's like a special waiver. And it's with Terry Polo, who people will know from Meet the Fockers and Meet the Parents. And I'm playing oh, yeah. this kind of weird guy. Yeah, so she's, she's a star because, um, you know, people, people know that, you know, any kind of, any movie needs a star. So she's kind of the star. And I had like, you know, 10 scenes with her um, in this movie called Relative Control. And it's kind of a, a dramedy. So it's about a high-powered lawyer who, you know, is juggling 
uh, her high-powered legal job with her aging, sick uh, parent. That's, that's sort of the scenario. But anyway, so, so that's Terry Polo, and, that, and that's not even on IMDb yet. So that, that'll be coming out hopefully in the next few months. They're just editing it right now. But those are some of the... Perfect. Oh, and of course, Law and Order, Law and Order, Marie Chikahagite and Chris Maloney. I was in Law and Order with those guys twice, actually. I did two, two episodes in that. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I, won't, I won't lie. It's really, really fun when you get to act with you know, people you've watched. Yeah, I mean, I grew up watching Law yeah. and Order. And then suddenly you're literally know, on set with them and you're acting yeah. with them. It's yeah. great. Yeah, there's a lot of on here that I recognize. Blue Bloods. I mean, come Blue on. Blue Bloods, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Blacklist. Blacklist, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. All those, all those mean, things. Yeah, there's so many. So you have really, really done well. And, and you know, it's, kudos to you. This is fantastic. Thank you. And thank you. Well, so I, I like you know, la- enjoy it. Yeah, and I, the last question I want to ask uh, before sure. we you know stop stop the interview is acting. Obviously, is you're very talented. You've been doing it for many many years, and you've been you've placed many great roles. Um, so, why are you so passionate about it? Well, ever since acting or writing, both. Well. I mean, I, I think the acting, because ever since I can remember, I've, I, there's something about a film set that just, that just completely electrifies me. And the reason I'm still doing it is because even after 20 years in the business and, you know, time before that acting at school and university, I mean, I remember going on like age 15, um, there, there, there was a there was a very famous show called Grange Hill in England, and it was like these kids at a local high comprehensive school. And I remember being a, a, an extra on it, and I was just blown away by this 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 whole experience. And I, all I was doing was like dancing in a disco. And and I went into school next day, or when they showed when they aired it, and they said, "Hey, disco dicky, disco dicky." And so so that I think that that doing that that show planted the seed but it wasn't until 15 20 years later because i didn't really have the confidence to think oh, i can go and be an actor i mean i just love the collaboration and the process i mean when you're on a film set there's literally there can be 50 sometimes 70 80 people on that set i was just in capri um and and this is pure coincidence i as i was leaving the day i was leaving capri on my summer vacation some of the scenes from Leningrad Exception are set in Capri at the Hotel Quisisana. And literally, the day I left, the hotel cleared the terrace, the cocktail terrace. And suddenly, um, the next morning, Gary Oldman was there shooting his movie, uh, The Apartments. And I, I, again, I, I had nothing to do with it. I was just, I was just literally walking by, but someone, someone told me it was going to be that. But again, just seeing him on this film set and I wasn't even in the movie this time, but I just love filming. And I think that's why when I see these, when I'm in one, a scene in a, in a, whether it's a, whether it's a network TV show or an independent movie, I just love from cameraman to lighting man, to actor, to director, to writer. I just find it fascinating how all these things come together. The post-production, the editing, you know, then you see, then you sort of see it on TV. 
you know, the whole process, even after, you know, 23 years in the business, I just love, and any actor will tell you the same. It's just, you just get a kick out of being on set and doing your thing. Yeah. Um, and the detail, the attention yeah. to detail that goes into it all. Um, yeah, and the, and, yeah. and the writing, the same, sort of similar thing, really. It's just very, very satisfying. The process of writing, the grind of writing, of, of just being able to use your imagination to tell a story. I love the editing process, going back and forth, 10, you know, 5, 10, 15 times with an editor. I love selling my books in, you know, UK, USA, France, Germany, Italy. They're, they're, you know, they're li I literally every day, Bev, I kid you not, I'm selling books in all those countries. And that is incredibly <laughs> satisfying as an artist. You know, you can understand why. Um, exactly. So I think, you know, those, yeah. those, those are things that keep me doing it, you know. Um, and that's why I just keep, I just want to keep doing it, basically. It's fabulous. And Richard, you keep on doing it. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Yeah, we are very impressed. That's for sure. Thank I want to thank you. I just want to thank you thank from you. the bottom of my heart for being on the Bedmore Show. You have been a thank you, fabulous Bev. guest. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. I'm Bev Moore, and we'll be right back after the break. How much fun it's gonna be together This Christmas The fireside is blazing bright We're caroling through the night And this Christmas Will be A very special Christmas For me And cards are here My world is filled with cheer And you This Christmas And as I look around Your eyes outshine The town that you This Christmas The fireside is blazing bright We're caroling Through the night for tuning in to the Bev Moore Show. I hope you've enjoyed this program and will tune in for many more.
Until next time, take care.